This is the Cross of Grace Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. On March 1st, 2020, we gathered to worship on the first Sunday in Lent. Pastor Mark Havel preached on the temptation of Jesus as presented in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. After he'd been baptized, then Jesus was led by the Spirit up into the wilderness so that he could be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights, and afterward, he was famished. Then the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus said to him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So then the devil took Jesus to the holy city, and he placed him atop the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, If you're the Son of God, then throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot even against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took Jesus and led him up a high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all of this I will give to you if you will but bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve only him. When he'd said this, then the devil departed from Jesus and angels came and waited on him. The gospel of the Lord. So I wondered about this pretty familiar gospel in a different way this time around than I usually do. I'm used to seeing Jesus here as some kind of a superhero who dukes it out with the devil in the wilderness. And I always read this story knowing then how it all is supposed to end, like Superman and Lex Luthor or Spider-Man and the Green Goblin or Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader even. I know the good guy in Jesus is always going to come out on top. But this time around, I wondered if Jesus knew that when he made his way into the wilderness after he was baptized, that he was going to come out on top, I mean. And I wondered if that might not be why he made his way out into the wilderness in the first place. First of all, it's important that you know I'm not convinced that Jesus is milling around in the woods or out in the desert, wherever this wilderness was for him, with an actual devil like this. Like that, or like this, or even like that. You can disagree with me about what this devil might look like, but I think Matthew's gospel has personified the tempter in order to tell a really great story about what was going on in the heart and in the mind and in the spirit of Jesus when he was being tempted. And it makes much more sense to me to understand all of this that way. What I'm saying is I think the tempter, where Jesus is concerned, is somewhere between a hooved, horned, pitchfork-carrying, fire-breathing shyster in the desert and the dark, doubtful, deceitful depths of Jesus' human psyche. Whatever the case, that darkness is having its way with Jesus, testing his faith. He's 
questioning his identity, teasing him about alternatives, taunting him with options, tempting him to choose something other than God's best for him. And I wonder if when Jesus makes his way into the wilderness, led by the Spirit, as the story goes, he's just as curious as the proverbial devil to know who's going to win this battle. Because right out of the gate, Jesus hears, if you are the Son of God. And I wonder if Jesus is thinking, I never said I was the Son of God, because he hadn't yet. That's what my mom's always told me, but she talks to angels. My dad heard something similar in a dream once, but he's just a carpenter, not the sharpest tool in the shed either. People have been telling Jesus his whole life that he was something special. Descended from the house of David, Emmanuel, God with us. Those magi came from far away and showered him with gifts when he was just a little boy. He probably heard stories about how King Herod had tried to have him killed for it. John the Baptist had been telling everyone that Jesus was the one, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. And when he was baptized, there was a hole in the clouds, there was a dove. Someone somewhere said something about this being God's beloved son with whom he was well pleased. But who among us would have been so sure? And so what if, after all of that, even Jesus wasn't so sure? What if he had his doubts? What if he felt like just an ordinary, average, everyday Joe, not Jesus? the Son of the Most High God? And what if he wanted to know for certain? What if he needed some kind of proof, some kind of confirmation, some sort of assurance that he was up for whatever this task and this title as the Son of God was meant to be for him? And what if all of it felt more like a burden than a blessing sometimes? What if all of this felt like it was foisted upon Jesus? And what if he didn't feel so faithful about it at every turn? And what if that's what drove Jesus out into the wilderness? His doubt, his uncertainty, his cynicism. When I consider it that way, Jesus starts to look less and less like some kind of untouchable, unrelatable, unreachable superhero and more like you and me. More like someone trying to make his way in the world, buying and rejecting the ideas and the opinions that so many other people had about him. Do you know anyone like that? Like someone trying to live up to the expectations and all the assumptions others have placed upon him in ways that he can manage, if not be proud of. Do you know anyone like that? Like someone trying to prove to himself and to other people that he's worthy and that he's valuable and that he's up to something worthy and valuable with his life, with his time, with his work. Maybe you've felt like that yourself a time or two. Like someone who wants to take risks, who wants to choose the good, who wants to have faith in something or in someone greater than himself and like someone who needs help every once in a while, or at least some fresh perspective about all of that from time to time, because it can be a heavy load to bear. Haven't we all danced with that 
devil more than once ourselves. It's why what Jesus is up to this morning can be a powerful encouragement for us, I think. He follows the Spirit of God into the wilderness for a season of time long enough to get away from all the voices and all the people and all the opinions and all the ideas of the world around him, and he considers it all from a holy perspective he knows God might have for him. And so I wonder if that's our invitation, if that's our challenge every once in a while, but especially in these days of Lent now, too. One does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We are invited not to live by or for the bread of this world, the things, the money, the stuff, the possessions that never last. But we are invited to be fed and to be nourished and to be sustained by the better things, the things of God, love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and hope, that come from the mouth of our Creator. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. God's love for you has already been proven. God's love for you already is. You already are beloved, so we can take risks. We can choose the good for the sake of the good. We are invited to trust in God's mercy because we can, not because we have to. We're invited to test the world around us with the love and grace of God instead and to see who or what is left standing when we do. Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Jesus reminds us not to be distracted or deceived by the false gods that surround us in this world. All those competing voices and ideas and opinions that challenge or feed our egos, either way, unnecessarily. We're invited to live humbly and in awe and with grateful generosity for what is God's in this world and what is not our own. And we're invited to join God in sharing all those blessings with others. We can do this not because we are superheroes, but precisely because we are not superheroes. We can do this because we are beloved children of God, nothing more and nothing less. And when we buy that, when we believe that, when we live according to that truth of our belovedness, in those moments when we choose wisely and faithfully and in ways that our heart's desires honor God's desire for our hearts, all those devils of doubt and deception and temptation to do otherwise will leave us. And we will know relief and rest and joy and a peace which passes all understanding. And I think that kind of rest, that kind of relief, that kind of joy might feel something like being waited on by angels. Amen.